Thanks for joining us for the Liberty Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires you to change the world around you. For more information about Liberty Church, you can visit us at libertyofomaha.com. Thanks again for joining us and have a great day. Can you just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Give up a shout. I don't care if you stand. Come on, don't be shy about it. Jesus, we worship you today. Thank you, Father, that we have a reason to rejoice. That you are good. All our life you have been faithful. (laughs) We worship you, God. Listen, today, I believe that God has something for you. I believe he has something for me. This is a message I have needed even this morning. And I want to tell you, I I I can say all my notes and I can say everything the Holy Spirit gives me to say today, but I cannot make you receive it. And I cannot put it into action in your life. And so let's take a moment and pray. I think it's important before we hear the word of God that we make sure that it's the fruit in their life. You're like, I don't want one apple. I want, I want a whole tree that never stops producing. And that's what the word of God is. It doesn't produce once. It continues to produce and it lives on past you. That's what I love. This is going to live on to the great grandkids I may never meet. So today you have some work to do, not just for you, but think about the generations after you, that the seed today that's going to be planted inside of you is going to go past you. So it's not so much about us. It's about who's next. So let's prepare. Father God, we thank you right now for your word. Lord, the word that stands the test of time, the word that you said when we live it, when we receive it, Father, that it is bread to us. It is something that produces generationally, Father. And we worship you. We worship you, Father. We rejoice in the fact that your word stands the test of time. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That where things have been changing around us, you never do. And we can count on you, Father. And right now... I believe that people in this room, people watching online, that as they prepare their hearts, God, for your word, that things in their life are going to be healed. Answers are going to be given. Depression is going to lift in the mighty name of Jesus. Confusion, dementia, Alzheimer's, all that stuff, Father. You are the healer. And we thank you, God, that you are exactly who you say you are. And we count on it, Father. You have made it ours. It is present right now. It is in the room. Everything we need is already in the room. And we receive it right now. We prepare that soil of our heart to hear what you have for us today, that it would fall on soil ready to produce a harvest for generations to come. And if you accept that and receive it, say, amen, that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. Okay. Um, do you have your Bibles today? If you don't, we're going to throw it up on the screen. But I hope that you do, because it's really important that you read it for yourself. Um, And I hope you have a notebook. If you don't have a notebook, 
um, get one. Buy one. It doesn't have to be fancy. You know, get some paper and a pen. If you don't have a pen, steal the one in the pew in front of you. Okay? If you need one, wave your hand. And I'm sure an usher somewhere will find it. And we will get it to you. But I want to tell you a lot of times, and I have made this mistake more than I would like to admit, is that the, the Holy Spirit will reveal something to me, and I think, that is so good, I will not forget that. You wake up the next morning, you're like, what was that thing? It was good. What was it? And you know, that, there's nothing that irks me more than knowing something was amazing and life-changing, and I can't remember it. I don't need any more help in that department. So I write things down now, whether I think I will remember it or not. And you know why? Because I know myself. And that's why God in the Bible, he says, write it down. Make it plain. And also years down the road, you may never know what God will tell you through that one thing you wrote down. And years down the road, when I give my notebooks to my son, to my children, and maybe I'm not even here one day, they will have a moment with God based on what I wrote. You never know. So I encourage you to write it down. If you didn't bring paper today, use your phone and transfer it when you get back. Um, we're going to go to 2 Timothy 1. This is our golden text for this series. Now, this series is something that I could literally preach for the next 12 years and probably not be done with it. But I know for sure we're going to stick on it for the next six months. And there's, good, there's a lot of topics covered in it, but we're going to address our minds and fear. And we're going to address a lot of things that fall into those. A lot of little puzzle pieces. And the reason we're going to address it is because fear is the, in my opinion, the number one thing that the enemy will try to get in you to stop you from receiving your inheritance as a child of God. It's the tactic. It's all throughout the Bible. There's, there's no wonder why, why it's written 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Don't fear. Why? Because it's something the devil will throw at you daily. And we want to know how to combat it and how to have the victory and how not to let fear eat you, but you eat fear. Come on, fear can eat you. You ever experienced fear and by the time you're like, oh, Lord, I am in a puddle. Well, today I'm going to show you how to get out of it. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.7. Let's go there. Say, I'm there. All right. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Your inheritance is a sound mind. It is possible to live a life free of fear. That is what we are supposed to have. You're allowed to have that. You can have it. It is totally possible. Totally possible says, but he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Yes. See, don't focus on the fear part. Focus on what you do have, and it will take care of the fear. 
I do have power, love, and a sound mind. Sometimes throughout the day when fear is like in my face, I just go around my house saying, I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I don't feel like I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind, though. You're declaring something that is already yours and saying to your body, your flesh, hey, you are not in charge. You may be feeling this in a moment, but what is actually true is I have a sound mind. I was not given a spirit of fear. Fear may be knocking at my door, but I am not opening the door to you because what I do have is a sound mind. Sometimes you have to get an attitude about that. I've had to get an attitude about that. Because it's the number one thing that has crippled me my whole life. I'm going to be very, very transparent with you. I dealt with fear my whole life. I can't even explain to you why, how, or exactly when it happened. All I know is I experienced it from the time I was a very little girl. And I know now that the devil used that because he was so afraid what would happen if I wasn't afraid. (laughs) And if you're dealing with fear, just know, oh, the devil is afraid of you. Because he knows if you knew what you could do living out of fear, he could never step in your way again. Why does the devil lie to you? Because he knows. If you knew what he knew about you, see, the devil even knows something you don't know about yourself sometimes, is that if you're a child of God, he's terrified of you. Why would he be bugging you? Some of you are so anointed and you're like, man, I just feel like life has been punching me one way after the other. Well, be, take that as a compliment. He's afraid of me. Twist it around on him. He's afraid of me. Because once you know who you are and what your inheritance is as a child of God, you will truly be unstoppable. Not that opposition won't throw itself right in your path, but you will simply be able to go, oh, and just step over it. Whereas before, you may have tripped and falled and laid there for years. Anybody been like that? Tripped and fell over it, and you're like, how? And you know. I have a sound mind. You step over things that use to drag you down. They no longer bother you. The enemy will throw it, and it's like, okay. You kind of laugh at it. Like, what else are you going to try? I love, there's a song. It's called uh, Not Today, but it says, Fear must have thought I was faithless when it came from my heart. Let fear knock on your door and give it a rude awakening. Nice try. You must have thought I was faithless. All you did was tick me off. Get an attitude about it. Today I'm going to preach through King James Version um, just for teaching purposes. I have to. And if you're like, that freaks me out, well, don't. Let it. There's he and haths, and you can get past those. Um, It's the closest translation. So I'm going to preach through it. But I'm also today going to use one I don't generally. It's the Amplified Classic, 
which is one of my mom's favorite translations. It has really cool imagery. Um, but I'm going to use both today. And it's really important that you know how to study your Bible. I know that you know I study my Bible. But it's important for you to know because I'm not with you all the time. And you need to know how to get the, the meat out of there. And so, by the way, if that's something you're, you're struggling with, you read the Bible and you're like, what the heck did I just read? I don't even know where to begin to sort that. Talk to me. I will help you. I will help you. Someone helped me. I will help you. Don't, 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 put a, a, don't get a sprained knee in your walk with God because you don't understand the word of God. If that is you, I will help you. Maybe I'll even, should I teach on this sometime? It's going to be a little bit. Maybe I'll teach on this. But if you need help and you're like, I'm having trouble, Mercedes, then talk to me. I will give you in about two minutes a roadmap on what to do. And it will be easy. It's not hard. It's not hard. I promise you. It's not hard. I will help you. If that's you, don't be ashamed of that. Someone had to help me. I would love to help you. Okay, James 1. Let's go there. James 1. We're going to see the response of a sound mind. Because God gave it to us, we need to know how it thinks. We need to know what does it allow in, what does it not allow in. What does it embrace, what does it not embrace. We need to know about it. If God gave it to us, we need to understand it. I can drive my car, put me in a motorhome, and good luck. Even my, my grandpa, he was like, I think you can do it. He let me sit in there. I couldn't even, the seat was all, I couldn't touch the pedals. And the look of sheer terror on my face, he was like, no, I'm not going to let you do this. And I'm thankful for that. I would have hated it. I'm not a motorhome, like, huge vehicle driver. Could I have done it? By the grace of God. <laughs> but I know how to drive my car. But there's certain things you have to learn how to drive. So we need to learn how to drive this thing. We have it, but it's like, okay, we have it, but it can't sit in your garage all the time. Let's learn about it. The word of God corrects our thinking, and as a byproduct, it corrects our actions because your actions come out of your thoughts. So James 1, let's look at the response of a renewed mind when it is faced with opposition. My brethren, James 1 verse 2, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, a little bit sounds like an oxymoron. Count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That doesn't seem joyful to me. Does it seem joyful to you? I'm going to explain to you why you should find such joy in that and what it really means. So right there, a sound mind, it says, the moment a temptation shows up or an opposition shows up, what does it do? It rejoices. Instead of worrying, it rejoices. Worrying is not the reaction of a sound mind. Right thinking starts rejoicing. 
not because we're being opposed. We're rejoicing because in the opposition, we know the outcome. You know something. You're not rejoicing that some, some branch fell in front of you. You're rejoicing that you know how to step over it and get to the other side. And you know that you already have the victory. So this little thing doesn't matter. I don't need to really look at it. All I need to do is keep my eyes at where I'm going. That's why we can rejoice. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh Patience. I'm going to explain that in a moment. The amplified classic of this verse says this. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Have you ever felt enveloped? Like surrounded? Like there is opposition on every side. How am I going to get out of this thing? It is in all directions. It is being thrown at me. It is constantly in my face. This is what it says. Consider it joyful. See, when you understand something, you respond a certain way. You respond a certain way. In other words, when you come out on the other side, you are going to be so fortified. Your faith is going to be so enhanced and strengthened, knowing that I won. I won that years ago, and I'm going to win it today. I won that yesterday. I'm going to win it today. I'm going to win it tomorrow. When you know something, that's the kind of stuff we're supposed to remember. God did it then. He's going to do it now. God did it then. I remember God did it 10 years ago. I remember he did it two years ago. So I'm going to remember that and move forward. Patience. Hmm. Do you see that it said patience? Endurance and steadfastness and patience. You know, it's really, it's very intriguing to me that in the word of God, there are so many wonderful examples and, and women examples and by name and all of them that God tells us to remember in his word. It is so intriguing to me that it's not Mary. Now, should we learn from her and remember her? Yes. But the one he tells us to remember is like in one verse, and we don't even know her name. It is the one who looked back, and it says she turned into a pillar of salt. They were going out. God was delivering them. It said she, she, she doesn't, it doesn't even say her name in the word of God. And out of all of the women and all of the stories, Esther, Rahab, Mary, Deborah, Ruth, Naomi, all of these, God says, remember her. And she's in, she's in one verse and out the other. Why? 
because he was saying it is so vital what you look back upon and what you focus on and what you remember. Remember the goodness of God and forget your screw up. Forget the pain. So many people, I have been there, live in their present because of the pain they can't stop looking at and touching in their past. Can't get over it. Now, I'm not, de I'm not demeaning the pain because some of it was painful. But it's, I'm not going to live in that moment the rest of my life. It already stole that from me. I won't give it another second. I will look forward. See, she, God was delivering them. This was her people. This was her family. This was all she had known, and God had given them the vision of where they were going. It was, she knew it was better, but she could not stop looking back at what she was coming out of with longing. She looked at it with longing. Maybe it's not even a pain. Maybe it's, well, those were the good old days, and it's just not like that anymore. Don't look back at your life thinking that was the best that could have happened. You haven't even experienced the true goodness of God. Your best day, your best moment hasn't even occurred. But if you keep looking back with longing, you'll never see it. Because you go in the direction of your gaze. If you're looking back, you're going to start walking back. But if I'm looking forward, none of that matters other than I remember God did it then. And he's going to do it today. I remember God did it then. And he's going to do it today. He's going to do it tomorrow. Be careful what you look at. Be careful. Now, patience, it says, we receive from God by faith. But the Bible also says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Patience is critical to the flow of faith. I love something I heard Gloria Copeland say when I was a teenager. I, I will never forget it, but she, she said, and I don't know if I truly understood it then, but it stood out to me that I've never forgotten. She said this, without patience, faith will quit. Without patience, faith will quit. Patience puts endurance in the faith flow. So that your faith will not quit before you arrive at the manifestation of your victory. That's really true. Because a lot of times we can give to God in a moment something. And we put it, and I've done this example, we put it, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. And then all of a sudden, it didn't happen in the timetable you thought it would happen in. And you're like, well, I'm going to take that back. Obviously, you don't care. Put that one in my pocket. And you have faith for like a spurt of a balloon. And then it's gone. Patience. 
makes it so your faith won't quit. You know, you know, it may not happen when I want it to, but it's going to happen in the right timing at the right place, and it's going to be better than I could have done. You don't just want relief from it. You want the victory over it. Come on, I don't want relief from pain. I want the victory over the pain. You don't want relief from cancer. You want the victory over cancer. You don't want relief from depression for a day. You want the victory over it for a lifetime. Patience is the key to get you from momentary relief to full manifestation of your victory. It is totally available to you. But will you believe God past your own understanding? Remember when when Peter walked on the water, which was amazing, a huge spurt of faith, big faith. And it says, ye of little faith. And translated, this is why it's important to know how to study your word. Because it wasn't, you had a little amount of faith. That's a pretty big amount of faith, if you ask me. It was, you had such short duration of faith. Patience has the endurance you need to get to the other side. So the sound mind... The sound mind, its right response is we count it all joy. We're rejoicing not because we're opposed. We're rejoicing because we know something. Faith never becomes strong because it never faced opposition. You know, I, you could go and purchase a bunch of lifting equipment. You could say, I'm going to purchase it. You could even tell your spouse I am purchasing this because you know I need to gain muscle to be strong. That's great. You can confess it. But unless you actually lift it, how do you build it? It is the same with your faith. You can believe and speak, and that is vital. But unless you get out there and put it to work, how can you grow? How can you believe God for bigger? Unless you've experienced him do it. Unless you've actually put it to work and to practice. And you're like, I'm not just speaking it. I am actually stepping out in my life and believing it. I am putting in the work. And not work as in I have to earn it. But work as in God, I'm stepping out, believing you. You better back me up or I'm going to fall flat on my face. And he never lets you. That's the thing. If you step out in faith, God honors that. It's not even I have to get a word from God to step out in faith. No, he's like, oh, they stepped out because they just know I'll have their back. God doesn't need you to have a word from him. And he's like, oh, I didn't tell you that one. Good luck. You know, the trust fall. He's like, sorry about that one. Kerplunk. No. When you step out in faith, God is like, all right, let's do it. All right, I have your back. Okay, you want to step out? Okay. He's not questioning your step in faith. He's honoring it. The bigger your step, the more he's there. You can take little steps, and you will have little victories, but you can take some big ones in faith, and you will have big victories. They're both important. 
I remember the little ones, but I also remember that the little ones taught me to believe for bigger ones. It was like gaining a muscle. Like, God will back me up in that. Oh, well, let's try a little bigger. Wow, he was there. You're never going to find him not there or he's not God. Because he says it in his word. And his word is either true or it is not. And it says that he cannot lie. So either it's true or it's not. But if it's not, he's not God. And let me tell you from personal experience, it is so true. There will never be a time when you step out in faith that he will not back you. You can read your Bible, believe your Bible, speak your Bible, all vitally important. But unless you take a step that says, I actually believe you, I don't just say it. Come on, people can say they love you, but what actually shows you that they love you? Their actions. Their actions. If my husband said he loved me all the time but never showed it to me, I would question if he did. Why? Because we need actions to go along with words. They tell two different stories sometimes. Let's back what we say with action. I believe God, and I'm not just saying it. Take action. Take action. Build some muscle. God delights in you taking a step of faith. It brings him joy. It's the doing. It's the applying. The build of your muscle. And the same is with your faith. Faith can only grow when it's used. When you exercise your faith and arrive at the manifestation of your victory, you have now, this is why this is important. You have now given someone else an example that's looking at you. You may think nobody notices me. Nobody's looking at me. There is somebody looking at you. And it's important for you to step out because it shows them how to do it. And it shows them God did that for them. Your example. See, the victory is for you, but it has a lot more to do with who's watching you than it does with you. My grandpa, I remember, he was in the military. He, a wonderful man, if you never knew him. I love my grandpa. And I know my grandma Carol's watching. I love you, grandma. I love you. My grandpa Oli served. And he shouldn't have made it. It didn't, through his whole life till the end, he would never share really stories of him in the war. It was too much. Towards the end of his life, he started to do that. And I remember he told me a story where he, he and his friend turned the corner and they literally walked into enemy territory. I mean, I like right here. And it was... And he said, we walked, and it was like they couldn't see us. It made no sense. And he told me time after time stories of moments like that. And I, I said, Grandpa, why do you think that happened? And he said, I used to ask God, why would you save me? 
I'm nothing special. And he said, one day, God told him, you know, it had a lot less to do with you and a lot more to do with them. If he had not been there, she wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have been here. And then he looked at me and he said, it had a lot more to do with you than it ever did with me. Your stepping out in faith has a lot more to do with them than it ever does with you. So it's not just a, it only affects me. No, it doesn't. Because what you don't step out in faith with, remember he told Esther, if, if it's not you, God will find another way. But generations behind you may have to deal with things they should never have to deal with if you don't step out. Wow. I think we have some, a little bit of crickets in here. If we had like a pen, I feel like everyone right in this moment would hear it drop. I know that some of this is heavy today, but I want, I want you to know how vital your faith is. And what a lasting impact it can have and will have if you use it. It's critical we are examples. I remember going up to a math teacher in junior high and saying, I don't understand how to do this. I hated math. This wasn't normal math, okay? It's not like, no, it wasn't. It was like a new, I don't even remember what we were learning, but I was like, I don't get it. Give me English, I will, I, I will trump. I mean, I can do it. My husband is the math guy. And I'm the one that corrects his spelling and grammar and punctuation and all of that. So we have our strengths, okay? Math is not one of them for me. I can do it. But it's not fun, if that makes sense. I did not enjoy going and learning about it. I knew it was vital and I needed to, but it was like, Bleh, I hate this. So I went up to the teacher and I said, I don't get this. And she said, did you look at the example in the front of the chapter? No. And you know how, how profound that was? <laughs> because an example shows you the pattern in how to do something. I could have learned how to handle that exact problem, but it would have only handled that one. If I looked at the example, I could have continued to solve it by myself based on that example. I would have had the pattern and the steps right there. She could have given me the answer and I could have had the answer for that specific one. But that's why your example is so important because you give people the pattern and the steps. That's why it matters how you handle opposition. Because you're either an example of what to do or what not to do. We see in the Bible tons of examples from, from countless people of what to do. But we also see tons of examples of what not to do. Like the woman. God emphasized remembering that. Why? Don't 
do that. It will cripple you. It will make you a statue, unmovable. When you are in a past moment and you can't get out of it, you can't move. You're like in cement that's dried. It's like, I want to go, but I can't. You're stuck. Well, thank goodness your faith and counting it all joy can immediately make you unstuck. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And even if you're, you're facing something, this is really important. And it is a result of your wrong decision. When there's some things that the enemy throws at you, but there are some things that we open the door to because we, we miss it. And we, we, it's not that we're trying, but that's why we need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. Because we miss it. I've missed it. I could have all fingers, all toes, all limbs out for this one and still not have enough times to count how much I've missed it. But this is why it's so, so important if you read James 1, 2. See, people get under guilt and shame. I have to accept this measure of defeat because I did it wrong. This is why he said, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Look at those words. When you fall. Even if the issue came because you did it wrong. Count it all joy. That is where the enemy would love to get you and say, you really screwed that up. Oh, wow. You should be ashamed of yourself. You screwed it up. God is livid with you. You knew all the word and you still screwed that up? Yes. And that's why I qualify for a savior. And Jesus came. But listen, remember a couple weeks ago, the enemy always portrays his insecurities on you. He's like, you've missed it too many times. The only one on earth who has missed it too many times is him. There's no savior for him. There is for you. And the whole reason Jesus came is so in moments when you miss it, you could say, I still count it all joy, God, because you make everything, even my stupid mistakes, work together for my good. Does he cause them? No. But he does work it out to where it will still bless you. You can still count it all joy. Don't let the enemy put that on you. You should be ashamed. You should be condemned. That's him. Forgive yourself. Let it go. God let it go. He took care of it. That's why he sent Jesus. Don't let the enemy put his insecurity on you. That's his issue. That's not yours. It's like, that's a problem. It's not mine, though. That's a big problem. It's just not mine. You should really, yeah, that sucks for you. I mean, whoo, wow. When he tries to remind you, remind him. That really sucks for you, but I'm okay. Jesus paid for that. He didn't pay for you. Years ago, I'll tell this story. 
in a moment. When you are the one who missed it, and you open a door, it is important to know you need the power of God. You need the joy of the Lord. And why? Because that restores, it puts back in place what's messed up. It is not hard. That's why you can call on Jesus and immediately what's broken becomes unbroken and built better. That's the thing, even when I screw up, he builds it better. That math problem does not equate, but I like it. I'll take it. I'll take that one. That's a good math class for me. These two don't add up, but I still get the win. Okay, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Years ago, I was, um, we were back in the old building. A lot of you remember that. Some of you don't. This was a huge, off of 60th and L, they built a new high school there. Um, but this was, I, I was 20. Whoa. 32, in case you were wondering. That's, that's a while ago. Okay. Um, I had started, when I was 17, we had started Love Omaha with, and not even, we had done the police and fire ever since 9-11. That had be, begun, and we had done countless other ministries. But this avenue of Love Omaha began when I was 17 years old with Children's Hospital. And then I went away to Atlanta for school. I came back, and we started um, our downtown outreach where we feed hundreds of homeless people weekly. And I remember starting this, and um, I don't know what it is. I think I'm a nice person. But some people just have issues with me in that period of time. And it was like older people, this doesn't, not, not that they're old, but older than I was at the time, was like, this 20-year-old is in charge of what? I have to take what from her? And I remember... We had just gotten, I had been doing this for months, on my own, with like, Lucas was there, and my husband was there, and my brother, and Brandon, and uh, Roger Hester, and Roger, you know, you were cooking, man, you were cooking. Um, we, we had started this homeless feed, and it was like by the grace of God, because we had no money. <laughs> None. And we were never aware so much that we didn't have any money. <laughs> and you have to feed hundreds of people a week. It was like, oh, Lord, bless it, or this isn't happening. And that was a great time for me to learn some faith. And I have countless weeks where I'm like, oh, God did it. And that really grew my faith. I think everybody involved in it could say that grew my faith. <laughs> did it not, Lucas? Did it grow your faith? Did it grow your faith, Roger? It grew your faith. It, it was intense, and I, we had been doing it months, and we had just then, the congregation had got involved, and people were beginning to help, and there was one lady, she doesn't go here, so you, you know, don't, stop it, okay, we're not going down there, stop it, right now, in your mind, stop it, okay, but there was one lady who really wanted to help with it, had a, a heart for it, 
And we welcomed, we welcomed it. And after some time, there was one week, she just had a hard time receiving anything from me. And I know now as I'm older, it was her problem. It was not a me problem. Um, but at the time, it was like, hey. There was one week that we had to get, we had all of this food in our walk-in fridge. Remember that, Mike? We had a big walk-in fridge and freezer. We're coming back, man. We're getting another one. Um, but it was nice. And we had all this food that had been donated that needed to go out that week because by the next Saturday, it would have been bad. Everybody tracking with me? This woman, it was, she brought in a ton of meat and other things that she, she brought in. And she said when she came in, well, we're doing this meal today. I don't, okay. I decide what meals we do because I have the big picture. Hey, we want the best impact. And I'm not going to waste everything we have in the cooler when yours can easily wait till next week. We need this stuff or it's going to go bad and it's going to be a waste. So I can do two weeks here with what we have or one week to make you happy. And that just doesn't, that doesn't click for me. She got so angry. And I didn't know it that, well, I knew it that day, but she didn't say it that day. <laughs> I got countless Facebook messages on how awful of a leader and how horrible I treat my volunteers. And then said multiple things I never said. And she said, you wait till I talk to your dad about this on Sunday. And I was like, Okay, I'll wait. Now, in that moment, my first reaction was, I'm going to go talk to my dad. I'm going to let him know. And the Holy Spirit told me, no, keep your mouth shut. Let her do that. And I knew in my spirit in that very moment that she was going to tell a story that sounded right and not use my name and get him on her side. This was her plan. I knew it in my spirit to get him on her side and then for him to say, what, who did that? Because it was going to sound right. The Bible says a story sounds right till you hear the other side. And she was going to do it without my name and have him say, I'm going to deal with that. Who was it? And she's going to say, your daughter. Fire her. I didn't even get paid, you guys. She wanted me fired. And... <clears throat> I knew, I went in that Sunday and I was like, I can't say anything. And that morning, I just had this sense of, well, I'm gonna rejoice that God just says he'll fight for me. He's gonna take care of that. And I went on and we did Love Omaha. That Sunday we prepared um, meals because we were busting people in at that point. And we had um, to-go bags to give people and I had to package those. And so I just, I knew it was gonna happen and I just, was like, God, I just rejoiced. You're going to take care of it. And um, I had just started thanking God. And while I was packaging those bags, I just had this sense to start thanking God. And, you know, she went to my dad with a convincing story without my name. 
And you know what my dad did without knowing the situation or knowing it was my daughter, or his daughter, my daughter, it was his daughter. I'm your daughter, by the way. Um, <laughs> he, he said to her, well, I put whatever person is there in charge. So if you have a problem, you need to handle it with the person I put in charge. And she was like, I mean, the fumes. I mean, her hair probably lit on fire at this moment. And then, then she brought up my name. Well, it's your daughter. And he said, even more reason to go work it out with her. You know, she never came to me. Do you know that after that, I was a demon-possessed woman? Literally. All over Facebook, I was a demon-possessed woman. I think I'm a nice gal. You may, I think I'm a nice gal. I really, I, I just, I was astounded. But I remember my dad coming up to me um, at lunch that day. We had walked into the restaurant, and he grabbed me before we went and sat at the table, and he's like, hey, <laughs> what happened with that? And I told him, and he's like, hmm, I figured. I knew in my spirit that was not the real story. And I just went, well, thank you, God. And thank Dad. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you. But thank you, God. Because you see, she could have said, yes, thank you very much. She could have said to him, hey, your daughter. And he could have, the dad in him could have rose up. But he handled the situation how he would have handled it for anybody. And I had that moment of nobody had to stand up for me but the Holy Spirit. And that was something he was teaching me, that nobody else had to have my back. Nobody else had to agree that I was called. Nobody else had to give me their permission to do what God had called me to do. I needed no one but God to say, you're qualified. I've put it on you. Do it, and I'll protect you. It's so vital that you know what you know about you based on nobody else but what God said. Because if it's somebody else's opinion that bugs you, you will cripple to their opinion. But if it's God's opinion about you, you will never fall. Because this person can be upset at you. And this person can be upset at you. But you're like, but I'm not upsetting the one that matters. Know who you are. And trust God that he will handle it. Trust God he'll handle it. He'll handle it. And that didn't happen because of anything I did or said. Power was working because I was rejoicing. Count it all joy. Did that feel joyful? No. But I knew I could count on God. And that little step has brought me so far in life. The muscle I have built in faith, because I trusted God to have my back that moment, has made me believe for more. I truly believe that was the start of the seed of my son. Because countless people, doctors, you're never going to have a kid. And I did not need their opinion. 
to dictate what I believed. I knew God would give me a son. I knew. I knew. And that was the moment I look back on and I'm like, wow, had I not built muscle then to believe that God's word was the only one that mattered? I needed that muscle later in life. I needed it. You need to use your faith because later on in life, you're going to need it. And generations are going to need it. And people who are looking at you as the example are going to need it. They're going to need it. That's why James says rejoice in the face of opposition. Because the power will flow in the face of opposition and you will be delivered. Little rejoicing equals little power. Big rejoicing equals big power. Not out of works, but because the more you rejoice, the more you are in the flow of faith. There are two flows in life, the devil's flow and God's flow. I want to be in God's. That's where miracles happen. That's where my little equals much. And the flow of faith, God's flow, is one of joy and rejoicing. Not at opposition, but because you know something. You know you have the victory. Nehemiah 8.10, go with me. We've got two more scriptures. We're going to go to Nehemiah and, and Philippians in a moment. Go with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic today. Are you there? Okay. One person is. I'm glad. Okay. Uh, chapter 8, verse 10 says, Then Ezra told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. See, they, this is important to know and why it's important to know how to study your word. They had been out of fellowship with God. They had been going against God's plan. They um, are now, they've heard the word. They've repented, and they're moving forward. So they are in a place where recently they've missed it a lot. And now they've, they've got on the right road. And it sa he says, go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. And send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And be not grieved and depressed. So he was telling them, this is vital. He was telling them, this is how you've missed it in the past. This is where you, you missed it. And in past generations even. And was telling them not to live in the grieving of their misses. See, sometimes we can forgive other people pretty easily. Sometimes it's hard. But when it comes to us, wow, that one can be harder. That one can be harder. And he was saying, don't live in the grieving of those misses. 
For the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. He was saying this, God flows when you are joyful, not when you're depressed. He flows when you're joyful, not when you're living in your past misses. He flows when you are joyful, not when you're in condemnation and beating yourself up. He flows when you are counting it all joy. I'm going to really talk about that in a few weeks. I wish I could stay there, but I can't. One way that joy is released is through rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is in the inside of you. You stir it up by rejoicing. If you've been dealing with sadness or feeling just, it's not even maybe sadness, you're just like, oh, ever felt like that physically? You can feel like that mentally too. I felt like that this morning. I woke up and I did not, I tell you, I did not feel super joyful. My child was not joyful. He was the opposite of joyful. He was angry and emotional with four molars coming in. Yeah, he had a reason. I didn't. (laughs) But I got to tell you, I was not. And you know what I did? I turned on a song that I did not feel like listening to. And the joy of the Lord got in me and started stirring it up. When I got in worship today, and praise God, the worship team hears from the Lord on the songs to pick. Because you all hit joy and rejoicing like a, like a, what are those things called that break buildings when you do it? Yeah, uh, is it? Wrecking ball. Way to go. And I, I'm telling you, I, I felt it switch. You're not going to feel joy when, when you don't want to do something. But do it anyways, and it will come. It is do the opposite of what you feel. What I felt like was like, wait, someone else has got it today, because, whoa. But I stirred it up. That's something I've learned that God has showed me, really showed me since October. Stir it up. You, you're not going to feel it in the moment. Your feelings will catch up. Just do it. Turn, just turn on a song. And after, like, a little bit, you'll be like, hmm, that's nice. I'm going to start. You'll start just getting a smile on your face. It will be stirred up within you. In October, I know a few, very few people. I know Tiffany, you know. I know Joyce, you know. I know Merritt, you know. Mom and Dad, I know you know. Mike, I know you know. Nick, I know you know. I was in, um, we were supposed to be going to Cancun with my whole family. I ended up I could not even form a sentence. And I kept collapsing. And Colin was like, what is wrong with my wife? I'm packing to leave in the morning. I could not make sense. I could not get what was in my brain out of my mouth. I could not control my body. 
we ended up, thank God my husband hears from the Holy Spirit and that he asked the Holy Spirit. And thank God we had a friend say, hey, have you asked the Holy Spirit if you're supposed to go? I was like, no, we are just going. And he told my husband, my husband goes, I'm going to go downstairs and pray. 15 minutes. Came back up, he goes, we're not going. And I was like, but it's important. He's like, no, we're not going. We're not going. We didn't go. I ended up in the hospital, septic. The doctor said, hours away from dying. Had I went, I would have died. I know that's not true. God would have preserved me no matter what. But I remember being in there and for the next however many weeks, sick, could not stand, could not get to the bathroom on my own, had to crawl, couldn't eat a thing. I had to be on so many IV antibiotics that they said we would never give this much, but it's vital. I felt like I had fire going through my veins. I did not feel like rejoicing. But there was a moment where my believing and speaking had to be matched with an action. And I sent Colin that one. I was the first night he was away from me. He went to a meeting. And I was in my room, our room. He's there too. But at the moment, I was by myself, okay? It's Colin's room too. Don't worry. We don't have separate rooms in case that's where you went. We have the same room. I was there laying there and asking God, what? I don't understand this. I am out of strength. I don't have it. I don't know what to do. And he said, what would you normally do on a Tuesday night? So I would normally, because Colin, this is his late night of the week, I would normally get all the trash and put it in the dumpster so he could just roll it out. And he said, well, why don't you do that? And I was like, uh, current issue. Can't make it to the bathroom. You know, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He, he, he's getting you to be like, think. And then I just heard clear as day, healed people do not lay in bed. I was like, well, okay, I'll give it a go. I rolled out of bed. I hit the floor like kerplunk. Boom. I was like, well, that was not a great start. <laughs> and I crawled to the bathroom and got that trash. Crawled to the next one. I threw up probably six times doing this. I collapsed multiple times. I kicked those bags down the stairs. And let me tell you, in a matter of 10 minutes, I had the answer, I had the issue, and I had the healing. Why? Because my actions matched my faith. I could have spoken that all day, but if I hadn't have thrown myself on the floor and walked downstairs, Colin came home to me standing downstairs. He's like, What's wrong? Are you okay? How'd you get down here? <laughs> I haven't been downstairs in weeks. How'd you get down here? And 
I told him what happened. And my husband, who never told me this till a couple, um, I don't know, six weeks ago, he said, I did not, I did not, I couldn't make you do that. But I knew if you didn't, I may never dance with you again. I knew it was your fight, but that was hard to watch. And my husband that night turned on our wedding song and started dancing with me in the kitchen. And he said, the white of your eyes are back. I can, you're back. And I tell you, I would be on the floor with my son playing and my husband will look at me and start crying. He doesn't cry. It's very hard for him to cry. And he will look at me and I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm just so happy to see you be the mom that you were made to be. And that you're here and that you're strong. You, in a matter of 10 minutes, in a matter of one second, can switch whatever issue you're in right now and can be healed. That is your inheritance. I can't do that for you. You have to take it and say, I believe that. I'm qualified for a miracle. My misses don't matter. This is simple for God. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Don't eat fear. Let your faith eat fear. You will win. You have the victory. Don't look down at what is happening. See, this is, this is the problem, is we see an issue and we make that so big and we look at it and we talk about it and it's the conversation at the dinner table and it's the lack, we don't have enough money and it's the sickness. And I tell you, I will be with family sometimes. And it is all about the issue, the, you know, well, it's, you know, you just turn a certain age and you, this happens and it's this and that and I have this and that. I'm on this medication and that medication and I'm going, I don't have anything to say other than God is a healer and it is not my story. You are living what you're eating. Eat faith. And watch what you give focus to what you're saying. Because what you're thinking comes out your mouth. What comes out your mouth creates the world that you live in. You want a healed life? Speak that. Stop speaking about the issue. Make the issue not an issue. It's not to God. He's paid for it. You have the victory. You can come out on the other side. The issue is, will I have faith to stop looking at this and look at the victory that God has given me as an inheritance as a child of God? And it is not equivalent on what I do or how much I've qualified or anything I've missed or haven't missed. It is totally because Jesus paid for it. And whether you deserve it or don't. I tell you, I don't. 
but it's mine and it is yours. Believe God. We're going to close with Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Verse 1. And it's, this is Paul. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous. But for you, it's safe. The Amplified Classic says, delight yourself in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him. Circle that. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not irksome to me. God doesn't get tired of telling you. And it is a precaution for your safety. Don't rejoice that you're in opposition or a trial. Rejoice that you are in something. You are in him. And that is your safety. The test may come, not from God, from the enemy. He tested Jesus all the time. And you know what Jesus did? The word says. He didn't say, I feel. The word says. You may feel it. You may see it come, but you don't have to let that in your spirit and start demantling your faith. Paul says, delight yourself in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him. That's why we're rejoicing, that I am in him. Listen, in him is everything. In him is victory. In him is a totally different flow of life. In him, you can live fear-free. In him, you can experience miracles every single day of your life. In him. You may say, but I'm in pain. You may be feeling pain, but rejoice that you are in him. Be careful what you say you are in. I'm in debt. I'm in pain. Put yours in there. No, I'm in him. I may be feeling those things, but feelings are liars. I am in him. In him is where you want to be when, when pain tries to come. Fear must have thought I was faithless. Pain must have thought I was faithless. Debt must have thought I was faithless. But you are not. You are not. In the very... It says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourself in him. And again, I say rejoice. Just in the next chapter over, Paul says this. So I think it's important. He's telling you how easy your victory is. It is not complicated. Rejoice your way into victory, into that flow of living. Paul wrote this from jail. 
from jail, not a nice jail, no TV in there, no blankets, no bed, jail. These were not nice jails. Very different. Very different. That's not good when someone is in a prison and they're telling someone outside of a prison to be joyful. I love Paul, but I'm not going to let the guy in prison have more joy than me. I'm not in prison. But he writes to them anyways and says, your answer is to rejoice. And he's not telling them that their answer is complicated. He's telling them what he's doing in prison. Maybe you feel like you've been shackled and chained to something. Rejoice. It's that simple. And again, I say, rejoice. Sometimes it's like you got to say something, and then again, I say it. Ever had to say something twice? It's like, this is important, and now I'm going to say it's actually really important. This is important, and it's important. Don't miss it. In Christ is the power that belongs to us, and what's in him has overcome everything that could ever come at us. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That gives some light to that scripture, huh? Gives some weight, something that a lot of believers have heard forever. Mm -mm. Greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. What are you in today? Rejoicing is so important. Rejoicing keeps your focus off of the opposition and puts you in the path of the answer. That's already inside of you. It just moves you over to the right lane. When your attention is on the wrong thing, the wrong thing flows. When your attention is on the right thing, the right thing flows. I want to be there. I want to be there. It matters what your attention is on, because that's what will flow in your life. Get your attention off of whatever it is. Get your attention on Jesus and the victory that you have, that you are in him. Get out of talking about the issue, out of the lack, out of the sickness, out of the diagnosis, out of the words that somebody said to you, out of what you're feeling, and get it on the truth. Get in the flow of faith and rejoice that you already know the answer, and the answer is inside of you. You have the victory. Stand with me to your feet today. Will you hand me my phone, Cassidy? Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, something to you as we close. But before we close, and I'm going to close differently than I have in weeks. So just God does things different sometimes. He's the same, but the package is different. I'm going to give you a chance. If you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, this joy and stuff, it's not possible. 
You can have things that make you happy momentarily, but joy actually comes from your relationship with Jesus. And if you've never asked him to be Lord and Savior of your, of your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity because it's that simple. The answer you didn't have is now the answer inside of you in a moment. And the Bible says when you believe in your heart and you speak this out of your mouth that you will be saved. But I don't want you to think that it does not take action after that. you got to walk with God. How do you know someone if you never talk with them? It is not by works, but Jesus wants a really close relationship with you. And you can live this kind of life. So I'm going to give you this opportunity, and everybody's going to bow their head and close their eyes. Anybody that's not doing this has, with you right now has done it. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's making it weird. But sometimes it's going to take a measure of your faith to say, I don't just believe it, speak it. That's nice to hear. But I'm going to take an action, and I'm going to, I'm going to declare this. So I'm going to give you the words, but you're going to have to really give this the meaning. Repeat after me, and everybody's going to say this because we're a family in here. We're going to say it together. Say, dear Jesus, right now, I'm making a switch. I ask you to be Lord and to be Savior of my life. I believe you died on a cross for me, rose again at just the chance to know me and for me to know you. I invite you into my life. The door is open, come in. And from this moment forward, every answer I will ever need, I know, just came inside of me. I am in you, and you are in me. In Jesus' name. Come on, give them a, a hand clap. It says that all of heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven. And now we're not, we're not going to stop there because there's a free gift to you as a child of God, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And I think that it's a disservice to give you a chance to become a child of God but not get the helper that God gave you as a free gift to walk through life with. And you may think, well, that, that sounds weird to me. It's not. It's not. It is a helper. The Holy Spirit is like that knowing inside of you, that voice that walks into a situation and you know, and it speaks to you. And it says that you are given a heavenly language that only God understands. That's beautiful. There are tests that show when you speak in tongues, every part of your brain is working. And it actually raises, they, scientifically they see it, raises somebody's joy. Wow, God's cool. So I'm going to give you um, the opportunity to accept that. It's that easy. You just accept it. So I'm going to pray over you, and you accept this, and God's going to give you a language between him and you, and it may sound like my son does when he's trying to talk, but it gets, it gets bigger, it gets better the more you work it. Amen? 
Any believers in here that are like, wow, my life is so much better from the gift of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, Lord. So let's, let's receive that today if you haven't. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as children of God, we have the free gift. Our inheritance is the Holy Spirit, and we receive it into our lives right now, Father. Teach us, grow us, Lord, that we would hear your voice. And we thank you, Father, that we have a language that is only known to you. And we believe right now that we receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to finish with just, it's this song. I, I told you the lyric from it today, but they're going to play it after service. But I was listening to this on the way today, and my son, who was like freaking out, calmed down and was singing to it. So cute. But I started listening to the words like I've never listened to the words before. And I'm going to give them to you. And it says, trouble won't throw me, won't break me, won't scare me anymore. Fear must have thought I was faithless when it came from my heart. But I have a song that will never die. I know your love is the reason why. Tell me, did the enemy panic as you took up that cross. Oh, you know he did. Tell me, did the darkness cry mercy as you rolled back that rock? Your love stood down death, crushed the devil's head. Fear is just a liar running out of breath. The fight beneath your feet, I'm standing on Jesus' name. So let the devil know, not today. Let the devil know, not ever again. I'll sing the night into the morning. This is rejoicing. I'll sing the fear into your praise. I'll sing my soul into your presence whenever I say your name. Some of you need to know and tell the devil, not today. I'll sing the fear into your praise. <laughs> There's victory in your rejoicing. There's victory in your rejoicing. If you receive that today, say amen. Amen. All right, I love you, church. We've got a lot to do in the next few weeks. God, this is just the beginning. Get here. Get in the room. It's different in the room. It's different in the room. Sometimes your act of faith is getting here. Mine was today. That's truth. Mine was today. And thank God, God meets you at your level of expectation and then blows the lid right off of it. Says he exceeds your expectations. All right. I love you, church. Get here next week. And if you did not hear Pastor Brandon's message last week, listen to that. That was the best message I have ever heard him preach, which is saying something. It was anointed. It was needed. And if you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. I've listened to it three times this week and just been like, wow, that's amazing. Thank you, God. All right. So I love you. Go pick up your kids and have a wonderful, miraculous week. In Jesus' name, we love Thanks you. Thanks again for joining us for the Liberty Church Podcast. For those of you that if you have prayer requests, you can always email those prayer requests at prayer at libertyofomaha.com. And we love to hear your praise reports. Email those at amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit us at libertyofomaha.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us and have a great day.